2: The Lauren Agee case was hastily closed by authorities, but many questions remain. Come behind the curtain with private investigator Sheila Waisaki as she uncovers the truth about what happened to Lauren. This is Without Warning. Warning. The following episode contains details about sexual violence and elements that are graphic in nature. Dear Sheila, You have no idea how much this means to me that you are taking the time to look at this information. I know you're extremely busy on another case. Hopefully this video will help you better see into the vibrant personality and soul that was Lauren. My baby girl's life was taken by unscrupulous individuals who may have done this before, but will probably do it again. Please help us. Signed, Sherry
1: Smith. On the bottom of the email, it had a video of Lauren. All you have to do is watch that video. There's no way you can turn that family down. It is a representation of Lauren's life, and it was gone in a second.
3: Yeah, we're like, in, we're in a canoe. We're at the house
4: I'm oh, like,
1: dude, why are you
3: leaving Hank there? No one there. I, mean, I, I do. It's a birthday. That's what I'm seeing right now. You can't. It's
4: freaking we're really into a good track. Yeah, it's, like it's a cliff on both sides. Right? It's a cliff on both sides, so we're literally staying.
1: Oh, my gosh, this is crazy. <laughs> this is our season finale of Without Warning, The Lauren Agee Case. I love this family so much and the work we have all put into finding the real answers of Lauren's death is paying off. We've had judges' rulings overturned, witnesses who have come forward, and information that just keeps flooding in. However, cases like this take some time, especially when there are powerful people in the mix. Here's the thing. I know together with you, the listener, and me, we are powerful together. We have inserted ourselves in this case, and we will get justice for Lauren. So let's start from the beginning. We know Lauren goes to Wakefest with her on-again and off-again friend and leaves her boyfriend, Chase, behind.
2: She came to me right a few days before this WakeFest and she said, Mom, I'm going to go, you know, to an event called WakeFest. And I said, well, what is that? And she says, well, of what I've been told, it's like a boating event and it's about two hours away. And a lot of people go and you hang out on sea doos and boats and you watch a competition wakeboarding event. And she said, so, you know, it'd be for a couple of days. We're going to spend the night in a cabin and I'll be back. So I'm just going to go Friday, come back Saturday. Chase and I have planned Saturday night, so I'll be back by 6 p.m. Well, then I said, well, who are you going with? And then she
1: said, well, mom, I'm going with Hannah Palmer. And I was like, why? So we know they met up with two different guys, Chris and Aaron.
4: Aaron knew Chris. Okay. Prior, um, a little bit. Prior, I don't know how close they were, but he knew him prior. Me mm-hmm. and Lauren met Chris that
1: weekend. Okay, so you did. So basically, y'all I never didn't even know. Knew his na- we didn't know his name. They party at a local bar, hang out with different people, and seem to be having a great time.
5: Can you start? Um, what Lauren's condition was leaving the bar that Saturday night?
3: She had had a few beers, but she was, in my opinion, not drunk. Okay, she. You know, of course, I had a few, but she was definitely not publicly intoxicated. Not impaired? Yes.
1: Okay. All seems innocent, doesn't it? But shortly after an episode of 2020 aired about Lauren's death, some people came forward and could not believe the massive piece of information that was missing to the story. There were actually five people on the cliff that night, not four on 2020. um, You need to watch it. So when we were watching it, our biggest concern was there was only two guys on that video, but there was actually three guys. So now you know about Bricks. Why wasn't he mentioned from the get-go? Why are people covering for him? Who is he? Well, that is something we are still uncovering. Remember when I made a surprise visit to see Hannah at the house she shared with Aaron in Florida? And remember the strange man that kept coming in and out of the room messing with my stuff? Shortly after we sat down to talk to Hannah, a young man kept walking in and out of the room we were sitting in. He kept finding ways to make himself present and let us know that he was not happy we were there. We now know that was Brix. Truth be told, I thought he would have played a bigger role in all of this. But as it seems to be turning out, he's just a subplot. So was Lauren murdered? We have the ex-boyfriend theory.
5: She's sitting there crying about her boyfriend, our ex-boyfriend. She had, like, said, um, I guess I have to tell my boyfriend about this. So I'm like, your, your boyfriend, like, back in Andersonville? She's like, yeah, you, you have a boyfriend back in Andersonville? And she's like, well, yeah, I'll tell him about all this. you knows how I am. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, this girl is crazy. And I swam across, you know, and Hannah brought the canoe around when she came. And, uh, you know, we got the boat, the Malibu, and we took it to the gas dock. we well, were at the gas dock, and uh, we're all sitting on the boat, and the old boy, uh, I don't know her ex-boyfriend's name, so I can't. He's walking past, and Hannah's like, hey. You know, she wants to say, hey, hey, where, where's Lauren at? He's like, I don't know where she is. And he was like, well, she's like, when's the last time you saw her? He says, well, last night when they were putting up the chairs, you know, she was down here and she tried to kiss me in front of his new girlfriend. He was like, so, you know, I I turned her and sent her on her way or whatever he said. He didn't phrase it like that.
1: But that was shot down.
2: Saturday night, you know, they
1: left. They went up to somebody else's campsite. It was Bart and Clint and Callie and I forget who all went. But I think a group of them went, but then... They were back at our campsite when, we, when I got up that morning, like at 5, 30, 6 o'clock.
2: Well, actually, Clint stayed at our campsite that weekend. So um, I pretty much know where Clint was most of the time.
1: Oh, and who can forget Samantha? Remember when she seemed to have Lauren's best interest at heart? Listen as she describes Erin Lily. And then listen to what she says to Sherry in text messages.
4: He's actually ex-boyfriends with my best friend, Cassie. He put her in the hospital, punched her in the face. So, like, even when I found out that Lauren was with them, I was like, why the hell are you with Aaron, really?
1: Listen to the way Aaron talks about Samantha. I hate
5: her. I hate that girl. And then as soon as everything happened, before I could even get the campsite taken down for the officers and shit and into my truck and back into Hendersonville. The news had already, like, put shit on it. And who do they put on the news? A girl that wasn't even there?
1: Then something happened and Samantha turned. She no longer had Lauren's best interest. Sherry is discussing the text that Samantha sent her a week after Lauren died. One week.
2: Well, I responded to Sam. This is very real, Sam. Lauren is very dead under mysterious circumstances. I'm sorry you feel have you been treated badly, but this is not about you. And then Samantha responded, not about you either. It's about Lauren. And if you think she wanted me treated like this, you are crazy. So fuck all of you. I'm done with you and your entire family. She was not murdered. She was at Wakefest and was belligerent drunk. You and none of your family members or any of her other fake friends were on top of that cliff, y'all know nothing. You are just trying to find someone to blame. Well, Samantha was not on that cliff that night either. She had already gone home, so I don't know what she's referring to here. Like Brian said to me, you gave her the money, you gave her the car, and you let her go. She wanted to see Clint that weekend and cheated on Chase. Clint gave her the cold shoulder, and she got drunk, not to think about it, She had a great time that weekend. Y'all are spiteful people, and if you want to treat me like this, go ahead. Truth will come out. Until then, fuck off. And I said, wow, okay, you weren't there Saturday night either, were you? And she responded, no, but I know that Lauren can defend herself. And she was cuddled up with Chris all weekend, and Aaron and Hannah were together. I hope to God one day y'all feel miserable about the pain you have caused other people. And mind you, this is one week after Lauren's death. Hannah and her parents have informed me about everything the DeKalb County Sheriff Department, and there is nothing. That's why y'all are hiring someone because you're blaming someone else. So, in this context, my daughter has been dead a week. There's this girl who was not even there that is, you know, talking bad about Lauren on Facebook, and that's why I blocked her. And then she. This is how she treats my family. And she puts all over social media that she was Lauren's best friend and she loved her and cared. You don't treat your best friend's family or mother like that. This was no friend to Lauren on in any context at all. And so after this situation, she continued for the last two years to do everything she could. To discredit my family, to attack us, to threaten us, and it it never stops
1: and then there's Chris, good old Chris Stout, poor Chris. He was in jail when the attorney deposed him in trouble.
3: you were sleeping? I don't know So they found you somehow. <clears throat> yes,
5: several hours. We ended up going to the bathroom at one point in time, and I lost the group. So it was towards the end of the night. I lost the group, and then I went off and found other people to talk to. Okay. And then I went looking for everybody. I couldn't find everybody, so I went to a houseboat, which was across from my boat, which we had talked to earlier. There some people that were cool. I ended up falling asleep on their, their houseboat waiting on everybody else. Okay. About what time was that? I couldn't tell you. So when, did, when was you, night. did you wake up?
3: Um. Yes, Aaron, and then woke me up, and then we went back to the campsite. Okay, so had Aaron um, and Bricks and Lauren, had they been, I guess, they had not gone to the campsite while you were sleeping? I don't know. So they found you somehow. Yes. And who specifically was it who found you?
5: Um. I mean, I was right there at the dock. They could
3: all see me. Who is they all? Aaron, Hannah, and Lauren, I believe. Okay, now that first night, did Brick spend the night on the campsite? I can't recall. Okay. You said that I think. I don't think he did. Okay. And so that second night, when you were found, you were found by? The group. And the group included bricks or did it include bricks? No, did not include bricks. Okay. But two girls and Aaron, they found you? Yes. And where did you all go after that? Back to the campsite. And how did you get there? The canoe. Okay. It was pretty late, it was nighttime. And everybody had been drinking for quite some time at that, by that point? Yes. Um, how did everybody get up the hill? Through the backside, up up the rope, and all the way around. Okay, could you
5: describe how that happened? I mean, we just parked the canoe and where the rope was at, and then we all got up the rope and all the way over to the campsite.
3: Anybody have any trouble getting up the rope? I'm sure we all had trouble. Did anybody fall down the hill trying to get up? Not like a crazy way, but... Uh um, but some part of it. Yeah.
1: Well, we know that's a lie because we now know about the fifth person bricks. But that's not the only thing.
3: When you got back in your car, <coughs> did you have your cell phone with you? I believe so. Yes, right. I did. And you were able to charge it in your car? Yes. Do you recall you made six phone calls for the same number? Do you remember who you called? Mm. Who would you have called at that time? Who was the person you would call until something important happens in your life? I couldn't tell you unless it was Aaron.
1: So, Chris, yes, he's not the smartest kid on the block, but did he kill Lauren? Maybe he really was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And what about Hannah?
5: Take some deep breaths. You know, we don't know anything yet, you know, so. <laughs> it's
2: pretty odd. I wouldn't be on this boat if it weren't. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Why you say that?
6: Because,
2: I mean, coincidentally, my friend, I can't find her. And the whole time I'm worried, I'm like, she probably went to pee in the middle of the night and fell. And that, but then I went down, and I heard she might have got on a houseboat, so I
6: thought she'd be at Wakefest. Who said
5: she got on a houseboat?
6: Evan, he, well, he said... He said that
2: she came back and that she said she was going to have to stay on a houseboat.
5: Why would she have to stay there?
2: Because we had canoed back. where well, she thought we had canoed back. We had actually gone up there, but she had said we canoed back, so I'm going to have to stay on a houseboat.
6: Now, I didn't follow that. So y'all came back without her, and she and, and She, she thought we left her. Here, at, at the campsite? Yeah. Okay. She thought we had left her at the barn. Okay.
2: And so, I guess Evan said that she said that because we had left her, which we were just at about the car, we came back to the bar, that she's going to have to stay out of houseboat. So I don't know if that was before or if that was after she last saw me, you know?
5: We all left together, so. Yeah, she you know? got up, yeah, she yeah. was up
6: there with us, yes.
1: And then um, the houseboat, where would she have gone on a houseboat? Whose houseboat would she have gone to? I,
2: I wouldn't have known a name. Okay. Um, there were tons. There were tons of people. She talked to tons of people. She's probably the most outgoing person I'd ever
1: met. I mean, she sounds sincere, doesn't she? Who is everybody that came back to the campsite that night? Me, Erin, and Chris. And that's it. that's it. Okay. But I do find it strange that she moved to Florida... Married Aaron Lilly and won't have to testify at trial. You know the law. You don't have to testify against your spouse. Yes. All seems fishy. And then there's Aaron. Um,
4: well, when he wrecked the motorcycle the first time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they were drunk drinking margaritas.
1: Aaron had been driving the motorcycle. He had a passenger on the back, Patrick. And Aaron popped a wheelie.
4: Well, Aaron's known for when you're on a bridge, he pops a wheelie. Patrick grabbed Aaron by the helmet, pulled, and they both fell off. And the bike punctured Aaron, and uh, Patrick got thrown, and, like, I mean, he got hurt. I mean, his whole body was road rash.
1: Patrick goes on to a hospital. Aaron calls Cassie. Cassie goes over and helps Aaron hide the bike and then finally got him to the hospital. They didn't tell anybody that it happened.
4: What was our saving grace is earlier that day, Aaron and I were in Gautenburg, Tennessee, and it was all over social media. So no one knew we were back in town but the people that were involved.
1: And the story that was going around was the bike was stolen.
4: Aaron told Patrick, I'll pay for all your hospital bills if you just take the fall. I'll say you were allowed to ride my bike. I always left the keys in it, but you just wrecked it and got scared and left. Patrick didn't want to go take the fall. I mean, he was down for it at first, and then he changed his mind. Aaron got caught. He was going to jail for two years. So. Because of why? Reckless driving, um, not having a license. I think, um, just like his rap sheet. Judge Hunter said, if I ever see you again, you're getting two 1129s. And what got Aaron off is they, the cops never took a picture of his motorcycle. So. They said it was a Kawasaki, and Aaron said, yeah, it was a dirt bike. Well, you don't have to have a driver's license to have a dirt bike. So he got off because it was Judge Hunter again. He goes, well, Judge Hunter, I'm moving. I'm moving to Florida. And he got a lease signed uh, by his mom saying that she he was living with her. Like They made up some fake lease and showed it to Judge Hunter, and that's what got him off. And he said, I never want to see you back in my county again. Don't come back. So his
1: mom was willing to fake a lease? to get him out of trouble. Okay. So there's already a background of Aaron hiding evidence, having a girl help him, and not telling the truth.
4: I'm like, no, Aaron, we're talking about this. You're not running away from this conversation. And when I told him, like, you know, I wouldn't let him run away from the conversation, he got on top of me and started just beating the crap out of me. And, like...
0: I can't handcuff her and put her to 21 years old. Like,
1: that would look really bad. It's like, I, I can't volunteer. Was Lauren murdered? Unfortunately, we are still putting all the pieces of the puzzle together since this case was so mishandled by law enforcement.
3: Let me go back to the medical examiner real quick. You never asked the medical examiner to do a rape kit examination, did you? No, sir. Now, if you later learned that Lauren had hemorrhaging within her throat that could be consistent with choking, would you have taken any additional steps to investigate that? It's possible. Now, you never got a dive person out to the scene that day, correct? A dive person? Yeah, invest, underwater investigator.
6: No, sir, You understand
3: there's sometimes late cases where things are found in the water or they need to look for suffer. Yes, sir. Okay. That was never done in this case, correct? No,
6: sir. If anything else
3: came up, if the family had anything else, we would... Look into it. Okay. And to be clear, there's about three paragraphs of text there? Yes. Did you ever write a more detailed report about your conclusions than this? No. Would there be any other narratives in the case file that provided sort of the investigative thinking besides this document? Not that I can remember.
1: I even brought in experts who were dumbfounded by the way they mishandled this case. What prompted you to write that memo about the Lauren Agee case?
6: After listening to the deposition on your podcast of Jeremy Taylor, I I just became so incensed. I was angry. I was upset. I felt so bad for Lauren's parents, Lauren's friends, and I felt bad for society because Jeremy Taylor displayed such gross incompetence in the conduct of that death investigation. Actually, I should say that that it was not a death investigation. He just kind of did a few things, but it's a far cry from being a death investigation. In any event, because of my emotional state after Listening to his uh, deposition, I just felt compelled to kind of sarcastically document for the public the things that he said. And he didn't go beyond maybe three to six word sentences in the entire deposition. It was ridiculous. I don't think I've been as mad in my career as I have been with Jeremy Taylor.
1: What do you think the responsibility is of the sheriff?
6: Well, that's an excellent question. You know, the sheriff is an elected official. To be elected an elected official, you have to have public recognition, you have to have uh, be appreciated by the people in your community. I mean, even to get elected, you know, you have to be well liked. Now, to even be in a position to run for sheriff, in my mind, you should have Certain professional qualities and characteristics. I'm not from DeKalb County, so I don't know the people there. But listening to the sheriff in his deposition, I I was very uh, disappointed in his ability to communicate. I was disappointed in his uh, lack of expertise and experience. But as a sheriff, to 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 drive at your question. As a sheriff, I mean, you're responsible for serving your community in which you're elected to uh, support. I, I don't see, by the way he displayed his abilities in, in support of the Lauren Agee case, I don't see where he provided any support to the community. He did not serve the community.
0: In this kind of case, it's hard to get an idea of, of what happened or even an idea of being critical of what happened because the investigation was so bad. And so you don't know what you don't know, right? And so what we know about the investigation is that it was wholly inadequate. And so if you have a very thorough investigation...
5: This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. ...investigation that's flawed,
0: like, say, the JonBenet Ramsey investigation or something, then you have a lot to go on, even though it's a flawed investigation, the police did a terrible job, but they did a lot, but they did a lot badly. In this case, they didn't do a lot. And what they the very little they did, they did badly. So there's even less to kind of go on and not necessarily critique, but to investigate, because a lot of times in these kind of situations, I've found since I no longer carry a gun and a badge, which gives me the authority to do certain things, but I have to rely on other people having done them. And... You know, when other people haven't done them, there's a lot less to, you know, conceptualize. There's a lot less to think about. There's a lot less to to explore because the authorities that were responsible for doing those things didn't do them.
1: This case may still be unfolding, but after talking to all these amazing experts, going through the case with a fine-tooth comb and looking at the autopsy report and pictures What I do know is that Lauren Agee did not fall off that cliff, roll to the water, and drown and float over to the second cove. And knowing what Lauren's father taught her, she left some clues.
6: I taught her how to protect herself, about taking off the rings, putting the hair in the bun, you know, doing the right things so that you don't get hurt, how to grab somebody, how to do this, where to hit. And if if you're in a bad situation, you had no help and what to do. And uh, and she said, Dad, what if this great big girl there, and I told her, said, here's what you do. You jump up, you wrap your legs around them, you grab you put your hair there and you pull them through and get them on the ground best you can.
1: I'm sure this will all make sense very, very, very soon. For now, we are going to step away from the Lauren Agee case, but just know this case is far from over. Thank you so much for listening. It is with your help that we will find justice for Lauren. Next episode will be never heard behind the scenes audio. Oh, and remember the number that Chris called six times that he had no idea who it was? Well, I know it's a boat company that tows, cleans and destroys boats. In 2015, our family suffered a great loss of our beautiful and beloved child, Lauren. We chose to try to find out more details on how and why she died. We used the only means we had in order to do this, which was the legal system. What we were met with was extreme opposition from the folks around Lauren when she died, as well as law enforcement and the court system. For three years, all we asked for was the truth. Lauren Taylor Agee was a gift to the world, however short her life was, and her memory will live on through all the folks whose lives she touched along the way. Taken from one of Lauren's favorite quotes on the plaque in her room, for you only see the end. It is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway, end of quote, Mother Teresa. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed to this podcast, followed our social media pages. Lauren's story needs to be shared and we could not have done it without all of you. Please continue to share her story, and bring proper justice to Lauren Agee and her beloved family. Thank you to Tim Evans, who is the mysterious voice of Without Warning podcast. Crowdsourcing justice is what I believe in to bring in people with another set of eyes and ears. I'm not even sure how to thank these two guys, John Lorden and Gray Hughes. After years trying to investigate a mark on Lauren's body, these two men stepped up and helped me and explained what the marks were. I cannot say enough about you all proving what was on Lauren's body, but also proving the benefit of crowdsourcing. Thank you from the bottom of my heart to both of you, to Katie Zitzman, and thank you for getting my jumbled thoughts onto a podcast.
2: Lauren's family gives their full permission for any and all details to be shared in hope that the truth will come out. If you know anything at all, call one. 1- 888-599-0008 or email tips at com.